Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. All my entrepreneurs, my side hustlers, anybody who's listening to this episode who has wanted to launch an idea, take it from an idea to a successful, profitable, thriving business, you are going to love this podcast episode. I'm Shauna Copta Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking how do you launch a successful startup with Jason, who is the CEO of Pay Club. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. This podcast episode was inspired by an Ask Shauna question from Rebecca. 
And Rebecca wrote in, hey, Shauna, I love the podcast. Listen to it every single time. There's a new episode that shows up on my podcast player. I have to admit, I am a wannabe entrepreneur. I have an idea that I think is a pretty good idea that I want to turn into a startup. And of course, I want to be successful. There's a lot I need to learn. I need to figure out the financing. I need to figure out how I raise money. I need to figure out how I deal with ebb and flow of money. I just need a lot of help. And I figured maybe since you've been an entrepreneur your entire career, you could help me out with a little bit of inspiration, some ideas, food for thought, anything that I could glean from you, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I love listening to all the podcast episodes. Rebecca, that is a great question. And I wish that there was a manual for how you do this stuff, how you turn an idea into something successful. And, you know, of course, there's a business plan. Of course, there are financial documents for you to write up. There's a vision plan and a mission statement and all that good stuff. But honestly, at the end of the day, sometimes it's just like, I don't know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to try it. And I'm going to hope that other people out there resonate with my idea. I hope that I'm able to get in the right sphere of people and raise money or, you know, whatever you need to do to bring the idea into that successful, profitable realm. And sometimes I've had to just launch things where I didn't have the whole thing figured out. I didn't have the whole strategy figured out. I didn't have all the ideas that I was going to make money. I just kind of had to go for it. And I know that's not sound business advice, but I think if you talk to a lot of people, you're going to find that that's really a place they had to get to. Kind of that fearless, like, okay, I'm going to just jump off the cliff and I'm just going to see what happens type of a place. And so I thought, well, hey, we've got a friend of Millennial Money, Jason, who has been on the podcast before. And he is really good at talking about how to get a startup from a place of It's just an idea to something that is successful, that is launched, that is really garnering a lot of attention. And Jason's a fellow millennial, so who better to hear it from than him? You know, I asked him a lot of questions. I wanted to know what are some of the most impactful lessons that he's learned as a millennial entrepreneur starting Pay Club from scratch? And, you know, what has been his experience raising money as a startup? Like the no BS answer, really. How do you do this as a young person? How do you get people to pay attention to you? And of course, he's got an app that is coming out in a really crowded financial technology payment space. There are a lot of payment apps out there. How do you create something that is different? How do you create something that my listeners are going to say, okay, this is the app I need to have for all of my payment situations. And he was really honest. He talked really honest about all this stuff. And so I think in this episode, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you're going to be able to gleam a lot from Jason. You're going to be able to learn how do you deal with the ebb and flow of money as an entrepreneur. And the lessons that he's talked about, This you don't just have to be an entrepreneur to Figure out and need a strategy behind how to deal with the ebbs and flows of money. You're going to learn how do you raise money as a young startup? How do you build a solid network now that's going to help you when you launch that idea? And of course, he's talking about, you know, how is Pay Club, an idea that he helped co-found, how is it helping millennials collect money in a group in a really seamless and easy way 
that is standing out from the crowd. So you're going to learn a lot from this episode, and I guarantee you're going to find inspiration, Rebecca, in what Jason has to say about being a young entrepreneur. So Jason, it is so great to have you on the podcast. Uh, We have been friends now for a little over the year, a little over a year, I should say. And I've been watching you kind of grow your business. And I thought, you know, you've done so many cool things career-wise and I know you're just getting started. Um, I know we're going to chat about a lot on this podcast, but I wanted to kind of just kick it off with maybe you sharing some of the most impactful lessons you've learned as a millennial entrepreneur since you've started your company, Pay Club, from scratch. Is there anything you could share just kind of kick us off? Yeah. You know, I spent, gosh, I've been involved in uh, several different items when it comes to working in the college market specifically. So, you know, my previous company actually was uh, just sold just a few months ago. And the one thing that kept driving us is that, you know, we were down to our last penny sometimes. Sometimes we had to uh, defer some of our payments to employees. Uh, Sometimes it was just issues. And we just, perseverance was the number one uh, driving force for us. We would be up late night, early mornings. We just didn't sleep. We worked on the weekends. Like there wasn't such thing as like, how can I just, you know, make my time spent and, and, you know, the nine to five, your normal work hours. We always looked at it as, Oh my God, it's five o'clock already. I still have so much more I need to do. <laughs> and we just kept pushing through and we were very nonstop energy and, and we really thrived off of each other with that. Yeah. And I think that's a very unique kind of characteristic, that perseverance, because, uh, you know, a lot of people who kind of work in the entrepreneur sector or even, you know, freelancer, they can get exhausted with, you know, coming down to just a few pennies left and kind of that, you know, ebb and flow of income. Like, how do you just keep thinking straight through that? (laughs) It gets pretty difficult, to be honest. You just you really just have to believe. There's a there's a feeling of passion uh, that you can feel when someone really believes what they're doing is going to be changing the world and benefiting the world. And so uh, there's been many times where, uh, even in our current company, where we said, are we going to make it till next month? Like, what's going to happen here? And we just said, we're going to keep doing it. We'll figure out the way. We can be out of all of our money. We'll find the way to make it work. And even though you're looking down the uh, barrel of a gun, you just keep pushing forward. Uh, and, and literally that's been my model my entire life. I've always like just strived for excellence. And, you know, what we do is we just keep moving, like even when there's obstacles in the way. And that's the only way most entrepreneurs give up too early. Most people don't get product to market. Most people don't find the right team members. Most people don't get the funding. And that's because they just they give up right before they show uh, that big movement and moving the needle that much more forward and finding those other people who want to believe in what they're building. Yeah, great points. I love that. So have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Was this something that you kind of as a kid were coming up with business ideas or did you just kind of fall into this? Sure. So uh, my father was always an entrepreneur his entire life. And growing up, he used to tell me, I don't know what you're going to do. I just know you're going to do something great. So whatever you need, I'm here to be supportive of you. 
but we were always very, very close. And, you know, in high school, I wasn't very driven. I was definitely one of those uh, C students trying to get by, just didn't get along with teachers, didn't get along too much with authority, um, couldn't really find my direction. It wasn't until college that I found some incredible mentors uh, within my community that just, they were older guys. I ended up joining a fraternity that they just inspired me and, and said, you can be better than what you are. And it pushed me to want to continue to do better moving forward. Yeah, that's great. I think I think the the value of like a mentor is completely understated. Um, I mean, I know I've had people in my career that have not only just open doors, but also just the encouraging words and, and, and you know, uh, inspiring me to keep going. I mean, I think that that just is so invaluable, especially today with with the kind of the competitive atmosphere with social media and, you know, all of the things coming at you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about raising money. And I know that that is, you know, it's kind of this, I don't know, like it's this Bermuda Triangle for like so many people. They're just like, how do you raise money? Okay, I have this great startup idea. You know, I'd love to chat a little bit, like kind of the no BS, you know, take from your vantage point of, you know, how feasible is it for (laughs) a young startup to, to get cash or what should they be focused on? you know, building in order to get to that place? If you asked me a year ago, my opinion has dramatically changed in the landscape of how you, uh, how you can raise funds. So uh, typically in our space, because we're in fintech, uh, it doesn't require a lot of capital. And so what you find is that you want to find people who are um, knowledgeable in the space, who can see where you're actually making a difference. And the problem is everything in fintech, everything has some type of interest, but also some type of conflict. And so, you know, when you're talking to anyone who's in FinTech, most likely they're doing something that has a small conflict with what you're doing. And uh, one of my mentors always said, you know, (laughs) if there's no conflict, there's no interest. (laughs) So trying to find these people who uh, could see what we're building and, uh, you know, most of the money that we had, especially coming in from the beginning, were people that knew me before. And so they're not investing in the idea whatsoever. They are, you know, the idea is intriguing to them. For them, they are investing because they believe that I can pull something off. And so my previous accolades of working in in these different communities really was the driving force for someone to say, I don't know what he's going to do, but I would just want to get involved early uh, because I know that he will do whatever it takes to succeed. And so... You know, with that, that's kind of been my driving force in the beginning when finding funding. And the key is also, you know, it, it's all about the dots. It's all about showing people your metrics and finding those right connections. And what I find is just like anything, if you receive a, you know, I receive probably like some, whenever we put out a post for a new developer to add onto our team, I get like 20, 30 emails. Uh, people who are finding me on LinkedIn, everyone, you know, these emails, they don't get through to me. Just like any funding, think about every VC and the amount of emails that they're receiving in a day. Sure. Uh, they just receive cold emails. And it's not that they're not, I'm sure they're a great developer. I have no doubt that someone's going to do a great job. But if you're just getting an influx of people who are randomly contacting you to be a developer, you're not taking them seriously. But if your friend recommends, hey, I have this great developer, he's in fintech, I think you should take a look. I'm definitely going to be considering that person. And so 
like we always say it's warm intros and like the key is to find that interesting in. And so some of us don't have access to people who are VCs or people who are angels. And so what I found is that uh, I just kept on going through my network. I would literally look through the LinkedIn's and I would find anyone with any relevance and I would send, I would speak with the person before and I'd ask them, Hey, like, I want to make an intro to this person. I'd love to get in touch with them. And sometimes they weren't necessarily familiar uh, or super close to that person, right? They're just a, someone they met at a conference or someone they met like through different means. And so what we would do is we'd send an email that said, Hey, like, I saw that you're connected with this person. We really wanted to get in touch with that person. Like, you know, this is what we're doing. Uh, would you be able to help out? And then that person only has to send an email that says, hey, is this something that interests you? And so it's a very not pushing, hey, will you talk to this company? It's, they're not even asking. It's, hey, they asked to be connected to you. Are you interested in, in hearing from them? And what we found is people were very acceptable with that approach of, oh, yeah, I'm happy to have a conversation. And people who weren't wouldn't be. And we found that people who are super angels or people who do invest in a lot of startups, they're also seeing a lot of companies. And so your competition is incredibly thick. And so to be able to get through that noise, um, you definitely need those intros. And we found that angels who were connected, who don't do a lot of investments, but were liking the community, you know, like different ideas. Uh, those were our best avenues, especially in the beginning. Yeah, you made some really good points there. I think one, you totally emphasized something I talk about all the time on the podcast, which is how valuable your network is and people who you don't even think could be of value to you, you know, now, how in the future they may be able to be of value to you. Um, and then the second thing is like, I think, which is such a great point is you're asking questions, you know, and I think so many of us are afraid, especially if we have an idea, or we're trying to launch something to reach out to someone and say, just like you said, you know, hey, can you make the connection or Whatever it may be, you know, you'd be surprised at the amount of people that say yes. And I imagine that's been extremely valuable to the growth of Pay Club. Not even a question. And we went to several people within payment space to get advice. I mean, that was uh, one of our our clear indicators of knowing we were on something is that, you know, we would challenge them and then they would challenge us. Oh, what? this isn't going to work because of this. And then we had to formulate these ideas because we're still in a very early stage at that point. So we would go to them saying, listen, we're just starting. I want to hear your thoughts on, on where we can improve ideas that you have. Like, what do you see as going to be our upcoming pitfalls? And they would know it all because they dealt with it. Previous companies that were dealing in, in payment spaces that failed or succeeded, we were able to hear directly from the source, from the CEO, from someone at C-level experience, I would say, you know, this is where you're going to go wrong. This is where I can see this. And then we had to challenge ourselves to then say, that's great. Let me take this back. I'm going to start doing some more thinking and digging and figuring out where we can make changes, talking to our users, talking with different uh, mentors. And then we come back and say, hey, you know, you said this and it really stood out to me. And, you know, what do you think about this approach to this? And before you knew it, people, instead of saying, oh, that will never work, went, well, actually, that's a very different idea. I didn't think of it like that. That's a very, because people automatically have their intuitions of why something wouldn't work. If you try to go out to the world and, and say, hey, I have this great idea called PayPal, you know, they'll say, well, <laughs> I already have a bank. Why do I need that? Like, if you said, hey, I have Venmo, 
you're going to have people that say, well, I already have PayPal and I already have my bank. Why do I need this? And there's little differentiators as to why something can uh, succeed. And, and really, you have to just show why this is going to be different. And it's taking a different approach that has the ability to really spark off and, and, and take off with users. Yeah. And, you you know, you talked about the kind of fintech payment space. It's, you know, it's moderately crowded. You know, what in your viewpoint, you know, obviously Pay Club is in that space. What do you think is happening that's really shifting, you know, how millennials in particular want to pay for things? Is it just that, you know, millennials don't want to deal with banks or is it just there are these really cool new technologies that have come about that are allowing different options? Sure. It's a very interesting subject. So uh, first, I would say that the line of payment companies versus banking companies is getting blurred. Uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, Square Cash now has checking and routing numbers automatically uh, associated to a user. So someone didn't even have to think about it. It's just automatically being connected once they had a verified user. The idea that you had a debit card automatically associated to your account, this is first done by Square Cash. Now Venmo just started it last week, making it so that you can buy things anywhere. Essentially, at that point, what do you need a bank for? And so, you know, when you're able to create a viral coefficient that's so strong, that's the real key is where, hey, my friends are on this, and we're making it really easy to collect and transfer funds. Think about Zelle. One of the reasons why it's taking off so much is that it's automatically connected into your bank account. It's automatically connected to all the major banks. So I can transfer funds super easy between any bank. And it's very cool watching things like what Circle's doing and how they're trying to build a backend so that all peer-to-peer services are treated like emails where you can just transfer from one payment company to another and there wouldn't even be any issues where you have to stick with that one company. So there's there's definitely a lot of transformational uh, parts of where FinTech is going. And then, I mean, we haven't even gone into the behemoth Amazon who's now trying to uh, wiggle their way into FinTech and creating multiple different avenues of revenue and and products within the FinTech space. So there's definitely a very highly competitive market out there. And so you have to have clear, clear differentiators that make it so that you stand out and also have the user base that makes it so that people want to stick with it. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. 
That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. 
You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about Pay Club. You know, how did you come up with some of the differentiators? You know, walk us through, like, what are those? And, you know, I, I think this this question is always one I get from a lot of listeners of, like, how in the world do I choose, you know, which apps to have, which, you know, payment apps to use? Like, how in the world do I sort through all this? You know, so that's kind of a, a, a giant question there, but. <laughs> sure. No, it's, it's actually a fairly easy one. So uh, what we're building is we're building a next generation payment platform to help groups of all sides manage money together. So we're starting with payments. But to give you that context of how we came up with this, for the past 10 years, I've basically worked uh, very closely with college students. So first, I was a fraternity consultant. And I know that sounds like a weird like oxymoron. I actually worked for the national office of a fraternity. And so I traveled the country sleeping on fraternity couches, working with students on everything from recruiting, training, member management, finance, and event planning. Some of these groups had budgets upwards of a million to $3 million. Wow. The average budget was usually between 100000 to 200000 So, And they were collecting this money to spend it. You know, it wasn't being like, hey, we're paying our employees. We're, like They are basically bundling their cash and then using it to pay for different items like parties, events, uh, recruitment, and you know, we saw these issues that kept always coming up where people were having trouble collecting money. And then shortly after, I ended up leaving the fraternity and started a travel company, which was acquired by a larger startup called Just College. And while I worked there, we were a team of five, basically around a, a ping pong table planning how we were going to be the next collegiate uh, travel planner. Uh, and we ended up uh, going through a lot of struggles, but we succeeded. The team is now close to 50 people over there. And uh, they were acquired for $25 million just this past March. Um, and we ended up traveling while I was there. Uh, I was sales director, so I managed a team of six. And uh, we ended up doing, gosh, 500,000 student travelers, over $60 million in revenue. And we were very heavily involved in planning these trips. But the same issue kept coming back every single time we were working with these groups, we'd say, so how are you collecting for that music festival to pay for your, or for, you know, you're going to Cabo spring break. How are you paying for that mansion? Or, you know, how are you paying for that formal that's you're spending $80,000 to go to new Orleans or Vegas. And every time they're going, well, I have this massive Excel sheet. I have all these different <laughs> sources of where I'm collecting from cash checks, Venmo, multiple different places, and you're just looking at their faces, they're going, it's a nightmare. I have no efficient way to collect. And then if you want something that you could pay for, you could pay for a club management platform. But again, these were 
very expensive, very outdated platforms for the most part that these groups were using. And so we said there should be an easier, better way. What we found was, you know, if you've ever had to collect from a large group of friends, uh, we understand the issue. It's usually an isolated and hidden experience. It's one person collecting from multiple people. No one really has any insight to what's happening or how the collection process is going. And then you're utilizing multiple different services. Like I said, you're using multiple apps, spreadsheets, napkin finance. We've all been even at the dinner table with eight people, as simple as that. And you're writing on napkins, trying to figure out, all right, you owe $21, you owe $70, and you're trying to figure this out. And you're giving the, the waiter like, you know, five different cards. And, you know, that process is, uh, it's pretty annoying. So what we said is, what if we could create a group where we could, put all the funds together into that group. And so you could collect for any reason, any group of friends, and you could literally funnel that money into the group and then be able to buy things directly from that group. So, hey, I created uh, a group for my uh, club organization on campus. We are the soccer club and we collect you know, a few hundred dollars per person per year. But now I have an ability where I didn't even have to go to the bank. I didn't have to register our organization, constantly go through a lot of these pressures that a lot of students have to deal with. And I can now buy things directly from that group. So now I'm, uh, now I can go to amazon.com and plug in that debit card number, or I can put it on Apple pay, basically anywhere that these is accepted. And so the idea is to create a system where, uh, you and your roommates or that next vacation or your club or organization, whatever group that you essentially want can collect and purchase things together. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just a lot like setting up your own money system, right? I mean, it's just, it streamlines, it it, it helps the process be easier, more transparent, and people can actually exactly. see see what's going on. Well, what transparency does is it brings accountability, right? Yes. If you've ever had to collect money from like 20 people and we all know there's that one person that just doesn't pay. But instead of you being that person saying, hey, you owe me money, pay me money. Now you have 19 other people in the group saying, how come you haven't paid yet? You need to pay Ashley. You need to pay Adam. You need to pay this person. Like we're going on this trip. We have a bachelor party. We need to be able to pay. And so we're really eliminating that need for spreadsheets, eliminating the need for this IOU system. It's you're literally collecting as you're going. You can collect right on the spot and pay, or you can collect for a previous purchase and go right to your personal balance. It's up to you how you want to do it. But what we want to do is create a system that actually builds accountability into the collection process. So when there's transparency and everyone knows what's actually happening, and you can see where the money is spent, who's paid, who hasn't, it's just a complete game changer to the collection process. Yeah. So, you know, would they use pay club like instead of I know instead of like Excel and kind of all that crazy stuff, but would it essentially replace using other, you know, payment apps? Yes. So I would look at the comparison of uh, of like iMessage versus something like Slack or GroupMe, where, you know, if you're looking for the quickest way to message one person or even for like a one night thing, you're probably going to use something like iMessage. But as every college student, every millennial knows, GroupMe is the number one uh, communication app for college students. And they use it really with their clubs and organizations. They're using it for trips. You're using it for this semi-permanent, permanent space of, of uh, communication. And so the same thing with us. We're not trying to replace these existing amazing payment platforms. Rather, we are creating a new service that basically says, hey, when you have to collect for that upcoming trip, 
do you want to deal with all these multiple Venmo charges and being able to track everything and using all these different apps? Or do you want something that can just handle it all at once? When you're collecting from your roommates, do you want something that can handle it all at once? If you're a fraternity sorority or a club organization, a booster club, PTA, you name it, there's so many different examples of, of organizations or things that we participate in. And what's really interesting about how we're approaching the market is that once you're within these groups, there's just a reality that there's a network effect of right now, group me has to do very little, if any, marketing to their, to their base right. because – Every organization is now bringing on every 18-year-old every single year. And for us, we're, we've been uh, basically targeting uh, our large groups that we already work with. And what's great is that now there's an automatic onboarding every year of 18-year-olds who are now downloading our app. Because why? Because everyone said, oh, this is what we use to collect. And you know, your acquisition cost basically is next to zilch uh, when you're talking about a bank wanting to pay 350 to $500 to acquire a user, for us, we're, we're pennies in comparison. We're literally 100 times, 100x less than what they're paying to acquire a user because our users are automatically onboarding everyone for us. Which makes it a good business model. <laughs> Potentially. That would be true. Yes. <laughs> um, I'd love to time tackle. Will tell. Exactly, time will tell, right? I'd love to tackle this. I actually got a listener question a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was great. Um, it came from Rebecca, and she was curious about the benefit of being involved in incubators. And I know that's something that you've been active in with Pay Club. I was wondering if you could walk me through a little bit, like what what is this incubator thing? You know, how does this help a startup business? Sure. So we were part of two different pre-accelerator programs. One would be the Stubbs Alton, Mark Hiles one, uh, and that's on Third Street in Santa Monica, in the heart of what we like to call Silicon Beach. Um, and they've been incredibly helpful in just making different network connections, uh, giving us advice on some of our. I mean, we are obviously a fintech application, so we need extra eyes on the lot of things that we're doing and making sure that we're doing everything legally and appropriately. Uh, and so they were very helpful and they gave us office space, which is really key because we're right next to all the major VCs and other uh, investors that are in the area. Oh, so it's kind of cool. I basically bird to work and uh, I'm in the area and there's just tons of people in that area, like from travelers coming into town as well. Uh, but we learned a lot from them and they've been really helpful in just making some, that, some of those connections. And then we also joined the Startup Boost program. The Startup Boost program is a Techstars partnership. It's basically, again, a pre-coder, but this was an awesome program. It's six weeks. It was every Monday night, zero equity. And what was great about them is that we basically had 40 to 60 people in the room that were grilling us on our pitch. So the first hour was they would have someone come from either VC or someone talk about pitching or someone talk about pitch decks or someone talk about different parts of where you can improve, how to network, how angel groups work. Each week was a different conversation. And then the second hour was dedicated to every company going up and pitching. And so the first week it was 30 seconds, the next week 60 seconds, et cetera. And so we really honed in on our idea because what happens when you have 40 people in a room that have never heard your idea, people working for everything from Google to the, you know, some of the biggest tech companies in the LA area, they're there listening to your idea and they're going, that doesn't make sense. I don't like that. That's, that's not good. You need to change this. And you're basically 
in a way it was it was good, but it was it was this mentorship that basically strained you up and went, I'm not clear enough. My message, you know, when you're so ingrained in your own uh, bubble, you forget to hear, you know, outside thoughts, and so you just kind of create this uh, this uh, this hollow tube of you're just constantly thinking the same ideas. And by them coming in and basically criticizing every idea that we had, we started going, you know what? We need to tweak this. And how do we make this better? And we cleared up our message, which is really good for investors uh, and really good for our users, too. You know, we were able to understand that we weren't doing everything perfect. And so if I had to say, like, if you're a first-time founder, it's not even a question. You absolutely should be trying to find a, a the right incubator accelerator because it's just a network. There's friendships, there's mentorship that just comes along with it that can really help set you up for the future. Uh, I find that people who are very ingrained in the network, like they don't need it, they're not going to go for it. And that's totally fine. But some people, you know, it's nice to have that backup of, of, uh, of people who are there assisting you and helping you. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think that advice is like so key. Uh, even if it's tough to hear sometimes, you know, it helps you, uh, like you said, you know, regroup and, and get more concrete in in what you're building. So last question, this is totally subjective, but I love to ask, you know, everybody in the fintech space, what do you think this space is going to look like in a couple of years? You know, um, is it going to keep evolving? Do you think a lot of people are going to kind of fall off? Like, what's your thoughts on that? In what the accelerator space? Or? No, just in the you know in in the in the kind of like rapid growth of the fintech space and and how everything sure. is getting you know basically reinvented in a new easier potentially easier you know format. Sure. So uh, there's there's a few parts to this. One is that the funding is majorly in uh, later stage startups. So there's a ton of money that's being pumped into different companies. And what's interesting is that in the pre in the pre space like of of pre seed seed uh, there is much less, and then in fintech it's also very difficult. So it really does take a lot of networking. The accelerators are definitely um, one of the major points, and and I think that they've been those are probably the most helpful that we could be approaching. I find that everything is going to be a combination of one or the other. Uh, in its own way. You know, everyone's doing a different variation of something, but there's plenty of people in the world and there's plenty of different opportunities. So I think you find your niche, you find that opportunity and you just conquer and dominate that niche. And then you move forward and you're able to expand into different niches. So right now we have a very specific target demographic, a very specific niche that we're really approaching. And in time, we'll expand to different areas, but we're going to dominate the niche that we're part of because if we can, we can prove that we have future longevity and, and the ability to, to really expand into new markets. Like I said before, you know, when you're watching these payment companies now just going into all these other areas, it's because there's very low margins when it comes to payment. And so how do you capitalize? You are able to provide new services that are not typically available to people and, and find new ways to provide either financing or loans or, or savings or different opportunities. And you're going to find that people are going to attack the B2B side. Some are going to attack the B2C side. Sometimes they're going to be the B2B to C. You know, there's, there's definitely a, a wide variety. And we think that, uh, we're really on a, a cool cusp of where things are going. We haven't even gotten into the idea of where cryptocurrency and where uh, blockchain is really going to affect a lot of these things as well. Yeah, so 
it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> awesome. I mean, this is, yes, you've given like such great advice. I know I would have loved to listen to this to this podcast before I was starting a few businesses myself. Tell the listeners, you know, where they can go to find out more about Pay Club, to connect with you, all that good stuff. Sure. So you can go to our website. It's www.payclub.co. You can download us. We're both in Android and uh, iOS App Store. Uh, and if you have any questions or you run uh, a group of your own and you're looking for something that can solve those problems, feel free to email me, jason at payclub.co. Uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. We're really excited. We're actually just on that uh, cusp of bringing on a large group of users this upcoming fall. And, and so if there's anything that anyone has questions about or ways that they think that we can be making things better for the user experience, we're happy to hear those suggestions. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Millennial Money. I'll be back on Friday with a fresh episode for you to check out. But in the meantime, if you love this episode and you found value in the content we share with you, I totally appreciate it if you do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I promise to be your BFF for life.